0: I'm Matt Booker. And I'm Dave Laird. And welcome to our 2021 Year in Review Books Conversation episode.
1: Yeah, it's been an interesting year, Dave. We... um, (laughs) have had our full year of, um, COVID, you know, in 2020, we had at least the beginning of January and February and maybe half of March before things really went bonkers. But Uh this year, um, you know, I did have my kids home online learning, virtual learning for a full, over a full school year, but they're back in school now in person. And that part of it has been great. Yeah. Um, I do feel like the pandemic has affected some of my media consumption. Sure. And we yeah. re- I watched a patterns. lot of TV this year. <laughs> um, so I think that we will get into some of that uh, details. But I, I feel like in general, you know, I'm still working from home. I haven't been back into the office since March 12th, 2020. Yeah, and I, 2013
0: for me, actually, I've come to think <laughs> of it. It's the last time I taught in a classroom. <laughs> I've been teaching online ever since. Well,
1: not due to COVID, think. Not due to COVID for me. Um, <laughs> you know, that, that experience of just being home, I, I thought, oh, this will be great and I'll have more time to read, but I've yeah. been working just as much, if not more, yeah. um, in my day job. And, you know, I think a lot of people have been in that position. But, you know, right. the things that I have read... Um, You know, making this list and going through what I've read this year has made me realize that I discovered some new things and I, you know, had some favorite authors publish new books. Mm -hmm. And I tried to, you know, really savor those experiences or read deeper when I could. Um, And I probably for every book that I read this year, I probably bought 20 so i had no problem oh, man that's keeping, so stressful keeping um books coming into the home sure and some of them frankly i didn't like and i'm not going to talk about those because that's boring i don't want to talk about books i didn't like i want to talk about books that i
0: sure yeah I that's, a, that's what we exist to do right right so yeah.
1: <laughs> um i'm excited to get into this list um, yeah me too i you know any thoughts before we start going through our our favorite books of the year
0: yeah well just going back to your your note about your contemplation about you know we just lived through another another pandemic year 2021 i think the best representation of this that i've seen so far is our good friend robin o'neill who's was our very first guest on the show she last year made a greeting card put it on her website of a tombstone that said like 2020 rest in 2020 to 2020 um basically basically signaling like what a garbage year that was and then the End of this year, she made a 2021 version of that that was like the exact same because it's like, oh my gosh, do we really just endure another said, pandemic t- year? Like, holy
1: 2021, it sucked too. It that sucked was too. To that's too. That's that the, was... that's the caption. Yeah, that's yes, right.
0: So, we'll put a link to Robin's uh, Robin's store where you can buy those greeting cards and send them to yeah. all your friends. They're awesome.
1: I, I did buy um, those, those are great. Yeah, I got the um,
0: 2021. Um,
1: um but we should say also up front that, you know, for this year-end episode, you know, we've been doing this now what, five, six times we've done a year-end episode. Mm-hmm. Um, we are just doing our books this year. And we. if you want to hear our sort of non-book lists of, you know, film, TV, podcasts, games, non-book things. Music, that yeah. it, Music, right. That's going to be in our um, Patreon bonus feed so basically right. if, if you are a patreon supporter thank you um we Indeed. hope that you get some value for your money <laughs> and uh <laughs> part of that is us moving some of our bonus content over there just exclusive for them
0: of our um, long-windedness like our three-hour recordings like good lord right. yeah so let's just um clean it up a little bit hey <laughs> um <laughs>
1: So anyways, that just, that's just one programming note of like, yeah. we're doing things Here's a little bit differently yeah. in the past that yeah. we're not having, um, like I say, music, TV,
0: film. Yeah. And outfits. I will say like what we did last year, having three different guests to talk about those areas was so fun, but it's also like an absolute avalanche of editing. Because we had maybe like a three bit hour and a half or two hour conversations, maybe <laughs> a bit of just... overkill for the year end. Could have could have been, but it was it was a blast. To talk it to was fun, pals. and I'm glad we
1: <laughs> experimented with that. But mm-hmm. um, this is a little more straightforward. Totally, and totally. You, you know, I should say that um, year end lists are not super interesting to me. Whenever it's a lot of the same books that everyone's putting on there, mm-hmm. or I don't really care about the person who's making the list <laughs> um and so for me
0: like a franzen put out a year end list like you're now, not all that interested
1: or just like some random person that's just like here's my top 10 books i'm like well good for you if i don't know you but if it's someone who i know <laughs> and mm-hmm. i like their taste then it's a little more interesting for me for so sure. I, ho- yeah. I hope that you know if you're listening to this you've listened to us enough to know our taste in books and that you know maybe there would be something on here that would interest you or resonate with totally. you yeah um and i will say my list of books is a mix of books that came out this year and books that came out some other year
0: mm-hmm.
1: um uh, long ago and what cases. ratio
0: would you say like were half the books you read this year books that were published this year or in the last year say
1: yeah i would say it's about 50 50. that's good nice um
0: yeah, I and, think I got quite a few new ones in too, looking and looking over my list.
1: This particular list may be even more like 70 30. am like cool. now that I'm looking at it, there might really only be three or four books that are, um, it might be four or five. Let's say 60 40. So, yeah. I, so I actually did read more newer stuff this year, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, I have eclectic tastes, like anyone else. I have weird fascinations that don't interest other people sometimes, and
0: that's okay. I just, you know, I can I totally to ID Matt. I can totally ID. Um,
1: all right, so I did attempt to like rank my list, and then I gave oh, up.
0: Oh wow, good for you!
1: And then I gave up, and I was like, I can't do this. Yeah, that's
0: really hard. Do you have a Do you have a count of how many books you got in this year, approximately?
1: Um, I do not have – I don't keep track of that. I think
0: you said, like, the first time we did this, that you were in, like, the 40s or something, and I scraped my jaw off the ground after because I was in, like, the teens or something that year. Yeah,
1: (laughs) I'm definitely not that many this year. Um, And, you know, I probably – for this, I made a list of about 20-something books that I I know that I finished because I probably – I've gotten to be worse about starting books and not
0: finishing them. Oh yeah. Um, where I'm just like,
1: mm. you have
0: no problem just being like one third of the way, and you're like, I'm not put it, down. This. Put yeah, it down, put it down, put it down. Yeah. I rarely do that. I'm such a like completionist. If I start it, I like I almost force myself, unless it's just really not, really not landing. So I mean, I could have picked up forty books this year,
1: um, or more, and you know, in some cases, read a few pages and just been like, no, I can't. Mm -hmm. changing my mind um
0: (laughs) okay well why don't you walk us through a few of your your top top reads this year
1: so my number one and I'm i'm passionate about all of these books i love all of these books Mm -hmm. but i really love my number one probably favorite book that i read this year that i want to read again Mm -hmm. is butcher's crossing by john williams oh yeah and so So this is
0: the stoner guy right
1: stoner guy right? it's famous for stoner and i love stoner i think it's a good book it's a great book Um, yeah and i think that butcher's crossing for me is maybe even better um it's a western is that the it's set in the i would say 1860s 1870s in nebraska and colorado Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and kansas but uh it's not a traditional western it is about um hunting buffalo and so these are not necessarily cowboys um it is about really what it's about is an easterner's idea of the west and Mm -hmm. how the west was made and part of his argument is that like western literature doesn't have Like a moby dick and you know moby dick was written in 1850s or 1840s 1850s um during that time there were just as many you know pioneers setting out across the west as there were pioneers setting it across the ocean to go Mm. hunt whales why do we have this great literature about um you know seafaring and the new england area but not about the western united states and so the main character in the book is a guy who is from Boston Mm -hmm. and who takes a stagecoach all the way across into this tiny little town of butchers crossing to basically just say like, I don't know, maybe I'll get into this Buffalo trade. Maybe I'll do that. (laughs) And like, Uh, what, what a rude awakening it is for him. And just, you know, all the things that can go wrong, go wrong. And you really do feel when you're reading this, that you're along for the ride with him. mm -hmm. Um, And it's a very visceral experience of, um, you know, what it must have been like during this brief window. Really, it was Mm. a really brief window where there was like a
0: buffalo trade. Right, yeah. Um, Before they were absolutely like plundered off the face of the earth, more or less. Right,
1: right. right. And well, and even the need for why they were being plundered for their skins, that need changed very quickly um, Mm. in, in like macroeconomic sense. Right. But I would say... You know, this is a very dude book, like, you know, <laughs> Western Buffalo Hunter. Sure. Um, gotcha. But you could say the same thing. I think a lot about uh, Cormac McCarthy books. Sure. Um, yeah. And I think this ranks up there with the best of the Cormac McCarthy.
0: Wow. What's a good the I mean, that's not surprising if it's by um, John Williams, but.
1: And I would say it's it's not trying to, you know, be as biblical and it's flourishes mm. of its mm. writing um but its story is just as unique or more unique yeah. than that so that that's cool. my that's definitely if not my number 1 of the year mm. high up in my top 3
0: cool what year did that book come out
1: i want to say the 60s yeah late
0: 60s cool yeah that sounds about right um, nice
1: what was your number 1
0: For me, um, I didn't rank my read... I just wrote them in chronological order of how I read them. Okay. Um, So I'm just kind of scanning my list here. Um, We had some really fantastic writers on our show this year, and so I would just say, like, novels by our most recent guest, Deb Olin-Unferth, Vacation and Barn 8, I loved this year. Novels by Brandon Hobson that I read this year, I absolutely adored, Where the Dead Sit Talking and The Removed. Um... One book that really stands out to me is Dario Diofebbi's Paradise, Nevada, which is a book that came out in, I think, in 2021, right? This um, book is also on my list. Yeah, it's a book about kind of a semi-fictional Las Vegas and um, kind of like a online poker player who's, who moves there to sort of make it in the real world of poker and try and make his fortune. Um but there's a bunch of sort of fictional places within las vegas um that exist and characters who work at them and the 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 opening the cold open of the book is like there's an explosion and then we kind of backtrack and then lead up to that kind of climactic moment throughout the book um, and meet the characters and get into their lives and all that kind of stuff and i found this book really funny and like it's one of those books you know like the movie casino for example where you just get this like real deep dive into this like really niche world that exists um that's high stakes and that um that's sort of what this book felt like in a way but like you know had a lot of quirkiness to it and really creative funny stuff too um so that's a book that i that really stands out to me from this year. yeah i
1: think i discovered this book um by reading the new york times book review Oh yeah. And it was reviewed in there and there was some mention of either Wallace or Bologno or something and I was like, this actually sounds pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. And I went and, you know, bought a hard cover of a brand new book. Yeah. And discovered it was a blurb from David Lipsky and right. yeah, you know, he thinks Martina our former guest, yeah. uh, Martina, Martina Testa, Testa. thinked in there. So, you know, those those kind of connections made it even more of a sell for me. Yeah, um, sure. I I didn't love that opening scene actually. I got to say because yeah. I felt like it it was too similar to the opening of The Goldfinch. Donna oh, okay, tarr- I have I not
0: that. I have not read it. We have it, but I haven't read it. Rachel's um, read it.
1: And I, you know, I was a,
0: if I were him, I would not have wanted okay. that
1: comparison. Um, <laughs> yeah, but, I haven't heard
0: a lot of people speak really highly of The Goldfinch. Even though it I actually the think it's a good and,
1: book. Yeah. I actually think it's a good book, but there's parts of it that i i didn't love and that that was Hmm. anyways what i did love about paradise nevada is um the characters and especially um the you know there there there's a huge cast of characters in this book there is you you meet all kinds of different poker players including an italian guy who really lucks into getting into the world series of poker and makes it to this table and sort of busts out but stays overstays his visa and just decides like he's gonna he's in paradise he's finally free from all of these like strictures he's lived with his whole life, mm-hmm. and he falls in with this guy who I think is Trevor. Um,
0: yeah, <laughs> the, and YouTube, the YouTube the yes, star. <laughs> yes, and this guy. Just films himself walking around Vegas and playing poker and stuff.
1: He is a super memorable character. Yeah, for sure. And I thought that that relationship alone between. You know these friends, these guys who become friends. This Italian who can barely speak English, and this sort of like bro tech guy yeah. who's a, a wears YouTuber, wears cargo pants and stuff, yeah, right, and super into like cereal and stuff. He he, out of the kindness of his heart, just really befriends this Italian guy. I yeah. really love that. That plot
0: line was great. Mm-hmm.
1: There's a whole other plot line about unionization
0: yeah um, of like of, the cocktail and restaurant workers at right. one of the casinos yeah
1: so in a way you know i felt like there's some parallels between infinite jest here um and there's some of it the cartoonishness of it reminded me of a lot of the broom of the system stuff
0: mm-hmm. Yeah I where
1: yeah. the the main resort instead of being the bellagio is called the positano and mm-hmm. it is like an exact replica of the Italian city of Positano right. like on the hill and <laughs> yeah. all these caves
0: and the man-made bay and everything. Man made lake and stuff. A reef, yeah. yeah. yeah.
1: And, um, you, know, you know, that's pretty inventive stuff. But I also felt like there were patches or little set pieces of just really fucking stellar writing in this yeah. book. Yeah. And one of the first ones was a scene about uh, ping pong. And he's playing yeah, ping pong, <laughs> and it's one of the best like descriptions of a ping pong match I've ever it read. It is great, yeah. Um, and there's a lot in there too about online poker. Like clearly, this guy, the author uh, Dario Diofebbi, he had been a professional like online poker player,
0: right? And, yeah. And it's pretty, and he's Italian too. So there's some right. autobiographical stuff there, yeah.
1: right? But it's pretty interesting to get that insider's view of you know how these guys think and uh, operate so i I agree that that was a fantastic book i don't think it got enough attention Mm -hmm. um and you know i'd love to see what this guy writes next
0: yeah me too
1: so that was my um that was on my list that's let's call that my
0: second one what's your second one (laughs) cool um a writer that i read for the first time this year was is willie Vlautin, who you put me on to um lean on pete i read really early in the year and then his new one that came out this year the night always comes i really enjoyed both of those books a lot um just like really kind of sad dark like blue collar stories about people just trying to make it in america um yeah, that, unsurprisingly, Night Always Comes is,
1: is on my list as well. <laughs>
0: yeah, uh, yeah, it's fantastic.
1: And, you know, we should say we did not rehearse our list. This is the first time I'm hearing your list and you're hearing mine. <laughs> mm. um, and, yes, I've been a big fan of Willie Voughton for years. And so him coming out with a new book um, is very exciting for me because he's yeah. really one of my favorite writers. And, you know, I, I just devoured this newest book in, like, a
0: day. It's a fast Oh, yeah, fast it's really read, quick. It's little. It's, yeah.
1: But it took him years to write. And I know mm. that he, I think he said in another interview, he had rewritten it um, entirely a few times. Oh, wow. Trying to get it right. Mm. Um, and it's the story of, uh, like you said, an impoverished woman who, uh, you know, is saddled with all kinds of problems. And mm. most of the book takes place, like, in a 24 hour day. Yeah. Yeah. 48 hour period. Maybe. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's, I I love things that have that kind of a constraint in the story because it gives you the chance to really get into their life. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, she's got a problematic mother who gives her a lot of problems. Um,
0: yeah. Money wise. She's got the house they live in. It's like falling apart and And the
1: car. Um, And I I think if you haven't tried Willie Voughton, this would actually be a good starting point. Yeah. I I think Lean on Pete might be his best book. Hmm. Um, I also really like his previous book to this one, which is called Don't Skip Out on Me. Oh, right. Um, I I would highly recommend recommend that one as well, Mm -hmm. which is about um, a kid who is an amateur boxer. Mm, Cool. Um, And Willie loves – his hometown or where he lives which is portland oregon so right. this book um, being set in portland is sort mm-hmm. of a a love letter to the working class poor yeah, yeah. in in portland mm-hmm. um so yeah that let's call that my third book on my list as well i really i really love that book
0: yeah it's phenomenal uh how about your next what's number four ish
1: um, all right number 4ish is uh, and and I should say here too that I I did not include you know uh, our guests that we had on this year you know you mentioned Olin Unfurth and uh, Brandon Hobson yeah. I I definitely loved reading The Removed by Brandon Hobson and it's on my yeah. list let's call it you know a, a mention same with Barnate um but n- number 4 on my list is a previous guest who we have not spoken to in a while, who came out with a new book on August 10th of this year. And that's Kyle Beachy. Oh yeah. The most, the most fun, fun thing. thing. And this is one of my absolute favorite books of the year. And it's called the subtitle is dispatches from a skateboard life. And you know, I'm, I am not a skateboarder. Uh, Dave is, I don't know how the hell you haven't read this yet. <laughs> was maybe. Is it better? Uh, <laughs> it was.
0: I did go a couple of months with some friends and like, I could barely walk for the next four days getting into my car. I was like using my hands to lift my legs into the driver's seat. because um, like, I'm, I'm too old for this shit, man. You know, fair enough. But, but the... I think Kyle is like my age or maybe even like a year or two yeah. older than me. And he skates. Yeah like at least every day.
1: Yeah. And if you know yeah. anything about so, Kyle before this, or, you know, before you read this book, you would think, how the hell is this guy not written a skateboarding books yet? <laughs> like, right. He, Cause clearly... the slide,
0: his novels got stuff about skateboarding in it. Right.
1: Right. And yeah. he tells the story in here about how his second novel he worked on for years was kind of a skateboarding novel. Mm. And it just basically, he couldn't make it work. It just kept failing. And, mm he didn't like it his agent didn't like it or whatever and then out of the sort of ruins of that failed project he was like fuck it i'm gonna say what i really want to about skateboarding and life and Mm -hmm. this is really like a memoir um but i I, absolutely i underlined probably this book more than any other book i read this year oh sweet and flagged a million things in it because really about half the book is not about skateboarding directly. It's about marriage Mm -hmm. and, and his uh, kind of new marriage at the beginning of this book, or they've been together for a few years Mm -hmm. uh, and really how they got together. And it's like, you know, what are the big questions in life? And for him, a lot of this is tied up with, uh, you know, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. (sighs) And all of that is skating, like, for him, that is true, like, form of freedom and happiness. Like, it's the most fun thing.
0: Yeah, um, and I can attest, like, in my hater of skateboarding, there were not many other things that I wanted to do before skateboarding. Yeah. Like, it, like, when you have a community, a great community of people who love skating together, and it's, like, summertime, and you're down at the skate park, and it's just, like, it's skateboarding and it's community, right? And, like, the reason that we love the things we love is because... You know if they happen in community they're even better right yeah. um so yeah skateboarding can be very fun when you're not like ruining your body which is also a lot um but yeah i i regret having not read yeah. this yet i have it it's been on my shelf for a while i will tell you what matt i'll read it next yeah. as soon as i'm done i'm reading a naked singularity by sergio de la Pava right now as soon Great. as i'm done that i'm about halfway through i will i promise you i will read kyle's book well, like it's I said, Kyle, you can bank it.
1: I think you will even get, get more out of it than me because
0: <laughs> sure, you know, yeah, you, I, you I can. S- he
1: goes deep into the, the the history and the lore and the details of of skating yeah. and and all of that stuff was fine for me. But you know, there is stuff in here about Wallace. There is stuff in here about DeLillo. There is mm-hmm. stuff in here oh, about um, you know you know just really just life that he intersperses it with. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's just full of heart. Like he's being very vulnerable here. Like it'd be easy to make fun of a 40 year old dude out skateboarding. Right. And like, yeah, Yeah. he's very (laughs) self-conscious of that. Um, Mm -hmm. but like I say, this is, you know, and someone who's an expert in their field, which is skateboarding for him, you know, allowing himself to be vulnerable on the page and share all of his feelings about life. Mm -hmm. Uh, and, and really just, ask questions that are, you know, somewhat philosophical, mm-hmm. um, and somewhat, you know, uh, I don't know, it's about, you know, love and heart because he's, mm-hmm. he's really struggling at one point with his marriage, um, and relationship. Um, and there are these little like bafflements, he calls them bafflements or questions mm-hmm. that are put in uh, kind of interspersed, um, this is in uh seven small bafflements and there there's stuff in here about covid from like 2020 Hmm. and 2021 and then there's stuff you know from like 10 years ago so this book is really like a massive project for him gotcha um and i really like that essay the the peoria one about wallace i think you know was published like i say probably 10 years ago when the pale king came out
0: Oh yeah, I um, think I remember we talked about this with him yeah. when he was on the show. Maybe. Yeah. yeah,
1: and and that's in here uh, of him, you know, going oh, down cool. to Peoria and basically taking a skateboard with him, looking for a skate park. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really like this this one essay in particular, Seven Small Bafflements," um, and they're just there's so many good chapters. I mean, this is a this is a fantastic book, and uh, you know, I hope we get the chance soon to sit down and talk with kyle about it so Mm -hmm. uh, but in the meantime if you you haven't picked it up go read the most fun thing
0: my impression of what's happened with this book uh from what i've seen on instagram and stuff is that um the skateboard community around the world is like really celebrated this book and kyle's got to do some very amazing speaking engagements with just like crowds of skateboarders about this book which is awesome
1: I think that's true, but I think it's yeah. also crossed over. And I saw it was on sure, like, yeah. uh, NPR's list of like best right, fiction yeah. books of the year. That's right. So it appeals to people like me who are just, you know, I'll read anything if it's well done.
0: Yeah, yeah, totally.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, what about you? Cool. What's next Super on cool. your list?
0: Uh, let's see. I read a book called Women Talking by Miriam Taves. You heard of Miriam Taves? I've she's heard a really of, famous Canadian writer.
1: I've heard of her. I've not read this. Tell me about it.
0: She's best known for a book that came out probably around 10 years ago called A Complicated Kindness. And then she's got another one called All My Puny Sorrows. And then one from this year that just came out that uh, Rachel has been raving to me about called Fight Night. Um, and she writes largely about her experience growing up in like a Mennonite community in Manitoba, and uh, which is like... The prairies of canada so it's like the midwest of canada basically um but this book women talking is about a, a small mennonite community in south america where a series of like really violent um, rapes and attacks have happened in the middle of the night to a bunch of the women in, in this commune perpetrated by the men who also live on this commune involving belladonna which like knocks the women out and then um so the whole book is basically the women um, having like a series of meetings about what to do about this like series of attacks that's happened to them. And it's mediated by a male character, which is really interesting because he's literate and none of the women on the commune are literate as part of like the um, really, like, you know, extremely religious conservative Mennonite um, values or whatever. Um, but so they've co-opted this one guy who's like a sympathetic character and, and, well-educated and he spent lots of time away from the, from the colony and stuff and he's come back. So all of this is mediated through him and he's there just to like keep a record. He's like keeping minutes of their meeting. Um, But the book is so funny. It's so winsome. It's really heartbreaking. It just is one of my very favorite books that I read this year. And it's a really short, quick read, mostly all dialogue of just these women talking about what do we do here Um, it's
1: based on a true story
0: um, yeah I think there are I think there are some um, some signals to that yeah I think I think I don't think it's like completely like nonfiction in that way but I think they're that it's based on like a similar sort of series events that happened on a a Mennonite commune Um, but like the characters are all fictional and that kind of thing so I'm
1: gonna look this up yeah super
0: good. good women talking yeah and fight night is apparently also fantastic and very funny Sounds good. Yeah, yeah. So I, I I intend now to go read a bunch more Miriam Taves. And it's funny, like, I don't read a lot of Canadian fiction. <laughs> and I, like, am a, am a high school English teacher in Canada. <laughs> like, you know, did a master's in English in Canada. And I took a course on, like, Canadian literature in my undergrad. But, like, I was simultaneously also taking a course on American fiction where I was reading, like, White Noise and Leslie Marmon Silko and stuff. And I just, like hardly read any of the canadian books and i just read all the american ones because y'all just do it way better than we do i mean you've got a longer history you've got like way more population just too I mean, cold I think up the there. story just of too america cold. is just you know a bit more compelling anyways so yeah yeah maybe it's the cold it's too cold um yeah.
1: all right so my next book is mm-hmm. an american novel
0: yeah and, i mean most of the mine are too <laughs> um
1: I, you know, I actually have a couple of nonfiction books on mine, but um, yeah, I do too. Cool. And maybe about half of my list is like nonfiction, but mm, um, wow. this is a it's novel, more than mine for sure. This is a novel that um, has came out, I think, in 1946. So this is uh-huh. an old novel called *The Street* by Anne Petrie.
0: Oh yeah, you um, have you've you've. Mentioned this to me in text messages and things. Have you
1: read this? With, have you read this book?
0: No, I haven't had a chance to read it yet, but it's on my list. So it's on my read ridiculously sprawling TBR list, which I uh, which haunts me all the time. Like I'm just scrolling down it for so long. So
1: I, I have to admit, I had never heard of this book until I got it as part of my Library of America subscription. Mm-hmm. And i was like how have i not heard of this book it's part of like say harlem renaissance or right you yeah. know in the same vein of um black boy or invisible man mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. you know set in new york city um how have i not
0: we talked a bit about it with steve erickson i think right when we right. were on with him yeah
1: and you know if you haven't read it um i i would I would say it's an american classic it sold more than a million copies in her lifetime Mm. um and somehow it just didn't get on the sort of syllabi the way that um invisible man Mm. or black boy did which you know are told from the perspective of um you know sort of a building's roman like a coming Coming of of age age. novel and this is a little different Mm. in that it's told from the perspective of a single mother and i think you know, there was long periods in our history where that was not as respected as mm-hmm. it is now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, now there's a lot of sympathy and respect for single motherhood. Um, but I think it was less so in the fifties and sixties when, yeah. you know, the, the civil rights movement and even in the seventies and eighties, it was not, um, sort of as socially accepted, common, right. Court. It wasn't even yeah. as common yeah. as it is now. Um, so I think that, that hampered it, but it also makes it seem more modern. Now
0: when mm-hmm. you do read it, yep,
1: you can relate to it and say, Oh, well, there's this poor woman. She's got a kid that she, you know, she wants him to do well, but she has to leave him alone because she's got to go work. Mm-hmm. And, you know, leaving this kid on the streets of Harlem, you know, how, how does she get out of this? She's got to work to make money so they can save to move to a nicer place. Um, and it's just—it reminds me actually a lot of Willie Voughton's stuff. Mm-hmm. And actually, um, I would compare it to some of his uh, some of his his work of sort of social justice of the poor. Yeah. Um, cool. So if you haven't read it, Anne Petrie, The Street. Uh, I think you will be impressed.
0: Rod. Uh,
1: what's next on your list, Dave?
0: Um, well, you mentioned nonfiction. I just recently read Things Are Against Us by Lucy Ellman, which is a yeah. collection of essays. Uh, this is the author of Duck's Port, which I've sp- said more than enough about on this show. Um, this is a collection of essays that just came out this year. Um, the very first essay, the title essay, is about how, how things, like inanimate objects, are against us. Uh, it's kind of like a treatise on like entropy. In a way and it's so funny and it's very clever and then a lot of the other rest of the book is um basically just railing against um the absolute tyranny of what patriarchy has done to this planet in the last 200 or so years and how a return to like a matriarchal system would really do this planet a lot of good so she's got essays about like men of the world give all of your wealth give all of your money to to women or a woman Just hand it all over. Let the women have all the money and make all the decisions. And like, let's see this planet turn around. Um, And it's, so it's like, you know, some of it is like manifesto kind of vibe. You can tell that some of it is like tongue in cheek because the premise is, you know, so outlandish in some cases, but like as a, you know, white cis male reading this book, it's like, yeah, I, I, it's really hard to disagree that, that, that people like me people who look like me have like absolutely eviscerated this planet and like made life on it really horrible for most people um so it was a it was a great read it's like pretty quick little essay collection i loved it um
1: how so, is it different from her
0: voice in duck's newberry port it's it's pretty radically different in that like it's essays so it's you know
1: it's more straightforward it's a lot way.
0: more straightforward and it's not so um it's not so married to that form of the fact that yada 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 although it maybe could be in some cases the fact that patriarchy has completely fucked over this planet the fact that men have made life for women on this planet hell on earth the fact that you know like it's kind of got a similar um mm-hmm. i i guess
1: cadence to yeah kind of yeah
0: maybe maybe not in terms of like the exact prose but in terms of Perhaps how like some of the ideas are presented but
1: well, obviously yeah, there's like a that. lot of climate change stuff in ducks newberry port
0: yeah and, it's a uh, book about just like the ang- all the anxieties of the world thrown into right. like a boiling pot right and just like right. mix them all together so this book felt kind of that same kind of like intense paranoia i guess you could say or just like living with all of these tensions and and trying to find a way out of them um but yeah i liked it i thought it was, Thought it was a lot of fun fun that and fun and terror together mixed you know um.
1: that sounds great um, <laughs> uh, next on my list is a memoir from the photographer sally mann hmm. called hold, hold still and i think this book came it's out good title two or three years ago mm-hmm. in like 2018 2019 and she's a photographer so the book itself is beautifully designed, and it has um, tons of photographs in it um, from her p- childhood, her past, her work as a photographer, um, and it just turns out she's a really fantastic writer. And you know, she went to—I think maybe even has an MFA in creative writing—but mm-hmm. cool. um, but hasn't published much writing in her life uh, except what's in her books of photography Mm -hmm. um so she's a super creative person and she her biggest subject really in the book is uh, a sense of place about where she lives which is in lexington virginia Mm -hmm. and this really stunning valley um, Mm -hmm. where there's a river running through it and these big trees and some cliffs it's just a really gorgeous area and she is just in love with this piece of land that her father bought and her family owns. And now she lives on with her family. Her kids are basically grown now. But mm. um, do you know her work at all, Dave? What's her name again? Sally Mann. Sally
0: Mann. What, um, I mean, I'll, I'll Google image her, her uh, don't, work. Her don't, she... don't, okay. don't, 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 don't. <laughs> It'll spoil the um, book for me.
1: Um, my might just raise some eyebrows in your house <laughs> r- sally Mann photos
0: she she is
1: basically known for a, a book called immediate family which is um collection of photos of her kids running around this property like in various states of undress okay um Got and so see. she there was a big controversy controversy when the book came out that um and her previous book at 12 which is about her kids being 12 years old mm um that oh you cannot depict a child nude gotcha and she you know was villainized is there any worse label that you could put on someone right now as child child pornographer pornographer? it's
0: pretty and like she's photographing her own kids too right 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 Right. okay yeah
1: and really if you look at the book and you look at her photos some of which are in this book hold still Mm. um they're really hard to categorize Mm. I think is what baffled her and a lot of her critics alike was that what she's doing truly is art and that it's a mix of portraiture of documentary Mm -hmm. work of snapshots of um like I say really high-end um conceptual art Mm -hmm. and she shoots on these gigantic cameras that just produce huge huge prints um cool and a lot of her work is um you know landscapes right it's it's the the land that she's really in love with Mm -hmm. and she lives in her sort of own little world there with her family and captures that and so like her kids could run around naked because there was no one around except them (laughs) yeah and it's a pretty unique look into her life um in this book hold still um because you get to see her sort of artistic coming of age and her family what some of the horrific shit that she lived through growing up Hmm. um and also weird you know, cameos and side stories and stuff. And like her family, they had like basically like a live in black maid. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you make peace with that now? Like sure, looking yeah. back on it.
0: she This one's like in her probably sixties or seventies.
1: Yeah. So something like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and she also, the other famous artist who lived in town was Cy Twombly, oh, yeah. who is kind of the opposite of her, not a photographer, sure. but they got along very well. And had a lot in common and there's a lot about Cy Twombly in the book, hmm. which I was, I was very interested in. Right. Um, and it's a pretty, um, thick book. Like she really kind of goes chronologically through her past hmm. up to the present. And a lot of it is about you know her love of horses. This area of Virginia has tons of like horse farms and she didn't really get to ride a horse until she's much older, like recently. Um, and it's just hmm. a true, you know, snapshot into her mind at various points in her life. Cool. And uh, I-, I love it whenever an artist who's really good in one area mm-hmm. goes and does something completely different. Like, yeah. you know, a photographer who writes a book or yeah. a writer who does uh, you know, paintings or something. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think that's interesting. Yeah, so, that is. Totally... Um, I recommend Sally Mann Hold Still. Sweet sounds great next for you
0: yeah let's spin the wheel here um okay so a sort of a name that's been recurring a lot on our show in the last couple years i've noticed is eli horowitz oh i know him. who's um has edited a lot for McSweeney's. so like adam levin he was his editor on the instructions and um i think vacation by devil and then Un- Un- Unfirth mentions him Um, and he's like sort of moved into television and writing for television, but I read a book by him called the silent history this year. It also has two other authors, Kevin Moffat and Matthew Derby. Um, and it's like a dystopian future fiction where the premise is that like a bunch of children, um, start being born that just like have no capacity for language, like verbal language. Um, so it's kind of like, feels like the leftovers or like children of men kind of, you know, these dystopian works that yeah. deal with like, there's this new phenomenon that people are experiencing on the face of the planet. And like, what are the, the social impacts of it on the world? Uh, I thought it was pretty great, this book. And apparently it like, when it first, either like the first form that it came out, it was like an, it was like an ebook or something where every time you read it, it was different or maybe like different people around the world got like different versions of it or something like that. Cause it's like the way it's written is kind of in like a lot of vignettes from the perspective of like a really big cast of characters. So I'm not sure exactly what that looked like. I just had like a paper novel of it. So maybe, I don't know if I got everything or half or like what exactly <laughs> I got, but um, the silent history was great. Um, if you like dystopian fiction if you like like weird um biological phenomenon happening to people on this planet um and like the fallout of of those things and the implications of those things it was a pretty pretty great read i liked it
1: yeah um i i read a previous book of his called the pickle index hmm. and it, it was just okay hmm. it was sort of forgettable for me um, do you
0: have his book the, the clock without a face
1: I remember when that book came out uh, and it's sort of a treasure hunt.
0: Yeah, it is. It's like a mystery. It's like a kid's book. So it's the shape of it is very strange. It's like kind of like a, an a frame house and then the sides go down a bit and then a flat bottom. And then the art, I'm trying to remember the name of the artist. I don't know it, but this, the artist who does the illustrations for it is fantastic. And I have tons of my computer backgrounds are by this artist. Um, But yeah, it's like a kind of, like encyclopedia brown style like mystery read where every every page is a different like floor a different person's apartment in this building and then they're sort of like trying to puzzle together the like it's like murder mystery or something it's been like a decade since i actually read it but i think we have it in flannery's room right now because it like is a kid's book but it's like pretty actually sophisticated (laughs) and you wouldn't read it at like one bedtime it's pretty long (laughs) maybe be like seven bedtimes worth of reading it's funny yeah Um, so yeah, the silent history by Eli Horowitz.
1: That's cool. Um, the next book that I have on my list, I I had a minute of panic uh, (laughs) just, just a minute ago where I was like, shit, did I put this on last year's
0: list too? Oh yeah. Yeah. I think the,
1: I think the book came out around this time last year. So it was like the tail end of 2020 Mm. that it came out, but I've, I've finished it earlier this year, like probably mm. February of this year. Mm. And that is this book called Panthers and the Museum of Fire by Jen Craig. Mm. And this is a short novel, maybe 120 pages published by zero gram press. Hey. And our buddy Jim Gower right. uh, is the brains behind zero gram press. That's right. And uh, Jen Craig, she talks about in here, don't call her Ginny Craig. Um, <laughs> is the genius uh, is the she's an australian author she lives in sydney australia and the book was originally published there in sydney but it was never um, published outside of australia until Hmm. now until last year i guess um but i loved this book i was absolutely blown away by this short little book and it Hmm. even though it's 120 pages it took me a while to read this oh wow
0: Pretty dense um, writing style. Well,
1: it's not that it's dense so much as mm. that it's hard to set it down because it's it's such in the voice, and I, I think mm. a little bit of a comparison here to maybe the voice in Ducks Newberry Port, mm. or maybe the voice in the Fogel section of The Pale King, mm. um, and that it's really a first person reminiscence of a long lost friend who has died and left a manuscript called panthers and the museum of fire and it's such a stunning title mm-hmm. she, yeah. she talks about where this comes from is a, a on an exit ramp on a sydney highway there's a sign that says panthers and the museum of fire oh yeah and pa- Panthers is the name of like a rugby club there. Um, <laughs> right. And there's like, like a fire, firefighter museum. Together, right? <laughs> um, well, was, I mean, the highway department did it. Like it's all on that sign. Yeah, like, yeah Next yeah. exit, Panthers yeah. in the Museum of Fire. Right. Um, but in this book, all it is is like she's on the way to go meet a friend. And she's got this manuscript that her friend who had died had left behind and she herself is a writer and it kind of inspires her to get back to work or be more creative uh, have this breakthrough in her own writing and um there are a lot of look backs at like her history with religion and god Mm. and her history growing up with anorexia Mm. Um, some really kind of stunning writing um, about that and also just about like how hard it is to maintain friendships like you know from your youth how hard it is to make friends um as an adult Mm -hmm. and you know people who flake out and people that you think you can trust and people who think they can trust you and Mm. um but it's like i say it's really what impressed me about the book was just her voice that the the whole thing is written in Mm. um and so to try to illustrate that I was flipping through here to try to find a section that wouldn't, would make a little bit of sense. Uh, it's really hard to dip in and out of, because it's all just almost like one continuous story. Like, oh, cool. I'm going to start going. and then boom, 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 boom.
0: <laughs> The freight train so, unleashed.
1: Yeah. Gotcha. And you really need like the context just builds up and builds up and builds up. Um, but I'm just going to start this is on page nine and I'm not going to give you any context. I'm just going to read. This is mostly like one sentence um, cool. in this paragraph. And she says, Sarah has always been someone. I said to Raff that time I was remembering now as I was walking towards Pamela in the cafe in Surrey Hills, hurrying to make it to the lights at St. John's road because I could see that For the traffic heading in my direction they had just turned orange and so were threatening to stop me and i didn't want to stop that in fact i had been so much sucked into my thoughts that i might instead all this time have been hurrying up the steeper part of the highway going north at rockdale then south past the trays of tomatoes and lemons and broccolini and glebe i was careful to avoid even as i was now running towards the changing lights at st john's road Sarah, you have to understand. I had said to Raff a couple of years ago in that pub. I now remembered as I ran in front of a car that was turning down the hill before the lights went red. Sarah has always been someone devoid of irony. <laughs> so that's one sentence. Right. Yeah. And you know, her walking past the food is like an yeah. allusion to her anorexia or mm, past anorexia. Right. Right. Mm. Um, but it just really builds up to. Uh, kind of a fever pitch in her mind. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I really love the, the character that you get to know in this, this short book. Like I say, even though it's short, it's very um, kind of all encompassing. Mm-hmm. Um, cool. And uh, Dustin Illingworth, if you follow him on Twitter, he did a great interview with Jim Craig. Hmm. I would encourage you to go read that. It's probably 10 times more articulate than I'm being about this. Um, <laughs> but I, you know, I think it's a book also that needs more attention and more readers. So I would love to discuss it. Um, you know, if you've read Panthers in the Museum of Fire, please, uh, you know, email me later and let's talk.
0: Sweet. Okay. I'll uh, I'll put that to the top. It's really good. <laughs> cool. What's next on your list? Uh, let's see. Well, I think when we did our um, we did our sort of concavity show, you know, announcement episode. I mentioned like all the books briefly that I'd. Re- read so far that year so I've kind of already like mentioned some of those tonight as well Um, but just sort of looking back to the early part of the year um, I read some pretty heavy stuff I guess like The Water Dancer by ta Coates I read it was the first book I read this year and I really liked that Um, Harriet Tubman is a character in this book and like a pretty prominent character so and then, like, three books later, I read The Underground Railroad by Colson Whitehead. So I got a real kind of deep dive into... Hey, Matt's holding it up right now. I got a real deep dive into, um, you know, 19th century Civil War America-era stuff. And um, another book I liked was by Akwaeke Ameze, The Death of Vivek Oji, which is set in Nigeria. And it's about, like, queer teenagers and their experience there and that culture. And... Um, It's another book that I thought was really great this year as well. I think it came out last year, that one, or maybe early this year. Um, Can you spell that? uh, The Death of Vivek. Vivek is V-I-V-E-K. And then O-J-I. O-J-I, okay. By Akwak Amaze. And they wrote um, Freshwater, which is a novel that I've talked about quite a bit before on the show as well. Have you read Drive Your Plow Over the Bones of the Dead by Olga I, yet?
1: I have not. The only one okay. of hers I've read is Flights, and I really okay. liked Flights yeah. a lot. Um, cool. I don't think we've talked about it on the show. but
0: um, She just came out with a 1,000-plus like, page novel that just finally got translated into English. Like, yeah, this the Book month. of Jacob. The Book yeah, of Jacob. Book of Jacob. Yeah. yeah, so I'm potentially interested to read that in 2022.
1: I gotta say it's weird. Like I, I read stuff about "Drive Your Plow," and I was just like, "Don't know if I'm ready for that right now." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's pretty like it's pretty,
0: it's pretty um, gothic, I would say. Um, and like, it has a lot of. I'd say there's a lot of hype around it. Um, yeah. My experience reading it, I thought it, I thought it was quite good. Um, I don't know if I'm gonna go around like recommending it to a lot of folks. But there, there were some cool aspects to it.
1: Um, so does, does that count for, for your? I wasn't keeping track of how many you. you
0: <laughs> I just listed tick- like six or seven. You're <laughs> ticking off
1: your list pretty, pretty well there.
0: <laughs> Trying to keep some some sense of brevity here.
1: Uh, I'm not. Cool. Um, next on my list is a really interesting book that was published by ugly duckling press in mm-hmm. brooklyn uh and it came out this year and it's really like uh, a book of essays or an ex- one long extended mm-hmm. essay um and it, the book is called m slash w by matt longabuco hmm. and the whole thing is an essay nice on jean eustache's film la maman et la putain which oh, is yeah. translated the, Mother as, and the Whore
0: the mother and the whore right which is a movie a film that you're very into
1: i'm very into it and like i i felt like this book was written for me like i'm the target audience of this book (laughs) and like if you already love la maman et la putain you will love this book Um, if you have not seen the movie it would probably be a tough sell
0: um I have so not seen I, the movie I think I've looked I've tried to look it up on like uh, various streaming platforms and it's just like not getting a lot of hits you know
1: <laughs> yeah I, I watched it off of like a bootleg dvd but oh yeah let me, let me give you a tip is uh youtube oh like, yeah okay uh um, nice. <laughs> the whole damn thing is on youtube yeah so a lot That's true for a lot of old films so. yeah. yeah and uh, anyways the, the film is absolute classic banger i mean i love uh french new wave this Mm -hmm. is sort of at the end of the french new wave period i think it came out in 1973 the main main character is a guy named alexander played by jean-pierre layout who is like Truffaut's muse and has been in you know tons of uh, french classics Mm -hmm. and he is really i would say it, i mean he, he's still a great actor or whatever but he was 29 when this movie came out and mm-hmm. god i think he's still alive um but the way that this book is structured is it's sort of a take on the roland barth book uh, S/Z. s slash z so that's why this is m slash w and that well and that book in particular is uh, stunning to me and that it's whole thing is an analysis of um balzac story called saracene mm. um and you know the the mw here is it stands for several things like man slash woman um but it, there's mm. a lot of parallels between alexander who is in um in the title not the title he's not the title character he is the main character of um this french film with the the french story the the masterpiece of balzac's story so mm-hmm. there's a lot that i learned from reading this but also just hearing someone else who's really smart i have no idea who matt longabuco is but i'd love to talk to him about this film because mm-hmm. he's a really brilliant writer himself cool um and the book has really great um blurbs like from jonathan lethem and hilton Als. oh cool um so i would say you know if, if you know the the movie you you really need to read this book and for me it was very exciting that this book was published that someone else is out there talking about this film in mm-hmm. you know 2021 so i bought it as soon as it came out and just devoured it i loved
0: it awesome M, what was it M slash Z. M slash W. W. Cool. Part of my um, video camera is obscured by my my list. <laughs> cool. Um, so I think that's the eighth
1: book that I've mentioned. I have two more to talk about. Yeah, give her. Um, the next one I have is a nonfiction graphic novel. And that just goes to show you how stupid the term graphic novel is because <laughs> it's not a novel. It's a... This is not a novel. It's a nonfiction graphic non-novel um, <laughs> called Seek You, S-E-E-K-Y-O-U, Seek You by Kristen Radke. And Kristen Radke's previous book um, was called Imagine Wanting Only This, and I absolutely loved it. Mm. She... Uh, was one of the main illustrators and art designers and directors for The Believer before they shut down. Oh yeah. That's a tragedy
0: from 2021.
1: So if you know a lot of her artwork um, Um, from The Believer, you would like this book as well. Oh Cool. But um, this is really like a, a broad investigation of the idea of loneliness in America. And she starts out with everything from, the invention of the laugh track, to <laughs> like uh, <laughs> to to all of the sort of scientific evidence of how bad it is for you to live alone, like physically, hmm. um, and the research that was sort of done on chimpanzees and monkeys about uh, deprivation of touch and mother mothering instincts and mm-hmm. all of this stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's some personal stuff of her own mixed in there. I'm talking about times when she has felt lonely and lived alone. Mm. Um, there's a lot of stuff in here about social media and surveillance and performance and, you know, how people can turn on you. And uh, it's really, there's nothing else like it. It's hard to describe. Mm. I've never read a um, a graphic novel like this. I really went through it really fast because it was so compelling um, even though it's you know it's pretty thick it's like 350 pages yeah totally. um, so there's a lot of work and you know it's got a fantastic blurb from chris ware so i was oh,
0: like, sold yeah that's a good that's one of a my good favorites cool. so uh,
1: i highly recommend if you have any interest in um, graphic novels in general but also just writing about loneliness mm-hmm. you should check it out
0: cool that sounds fantastic. I, I've I've taught um, like media literacy s- courses before, and social media courses, and as like a high school teacher. And that sounds like man, that would really, some of that would drop really well into one of those courses. Totally, man. Yeah,
1: um, I think I'm down to the last book on my list. Cool. Go are for it. Are you done with your list? I you mean, done? I've
0: got other books that I read, but I've um, I think I've mentioned most of the, my most of the kind of most standout ones. And I did okay. mention some of these in like a like six months ago, so I don't want to belabor the early ones too much either.
1: Well, the way that I said the the Kyle Beachy one, I hope we can turn into an episode in conversation mm-hmm. with Kyle, the same with my number ten, which is a nonfiction book that came out this year called Understanding Jennifer Egan, written by our buddy Alex Moran. Yeah. And you know, what a great I, guy. I got an advanced copy of this book and I, I don't like reading on pdfs i think we've talked about this yeah, before. we um, agree <laughs> i really prefer the printed book i love to read with a pencil yeah, in my hand yeah. it's hard to do you can't use a pencil on a freaking pdf mm-hmm. um but this is the rare exception where i read like the whole pdf book mm-hmm. and you know alex when i do try to do write anything for an academic audience there are some people that i try to Mimic mm-hmm. and Alex Moran is definitely one of them. Like Alex smart. Moran is
0: like one of the funniest, most wry, like hilarious, like British dry wit people I've ever met in my life. For sure. But he's at every like Wallace he, he, conference. He, he's ever.
1: read everything and yeah. he <laughs> has read way more than me and knows way more than me and is able to distill all of that into really cogent essays and so um you know it's a short book uh each of jennifer egan's books gets a pretty in-depth treatment which Mm -hmm. you know there's there's no other you know book link thing like this out there right about looking looking at jennifer egan's work yeah um and you know fingers crossed we get Jennifer Egan to come <laughs> to the Wallace conference next year. I was just going to say, I'm sensing um, an,
0: an Austin endorsement coming up. <laughs> um, so I'm going to have to mention
1: it. It's a lot of on my mind yeah. uh, is that she is scheduled to be our keynote speaker for That's the right. DFW conference in Austin. Um, first weekend in June, June, June 2nd, 2nd, 3rd, 2nd, 4th, 4th, 2022.
0: Yeah. So I'm going to be there. Unless let's keep like, those global th- events. Like self-implode even get, more, you know. Get your booster more shot. More variants, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, but yeah, really awesome seeing, um, you know, Alex's work on the um, uh, Jennifer Egan project, you know, come mm-hmm. to fruition and be published. So mm-hmm. uh, I think that made it a really exciting part of the year.
0: It's really fun to see friends, people that, you know, put out, you know, books of this nature. Like it was great to see Matt, Luter and Mike Miley put out the conversations with Steve Erickson book this year um, another friend of ours who's we've talked to on the show and about him on the show a lot Michael O'Connell is coming out next year in I think July the conversations yeah. with George Saunders right. book which I'm really excited for that and it's so cool that you know someone who's a friend is, is done work on that and is putting that out so uh, that that probably could be an episode next year I think too
1: yeah, totally. So yeah. So keep an eye out for those. I mean, um, there's one other book that I wanted to mention, which is a, another short book called um, *Idiophone* by Amy Fusselman. It came out, I think, in 2018. Um, it's and a cool it was title. on my it was on my list because it um, it's partly about the Nutcracker. And <laughs>
0: <laughs> like Tchaikovsky. Yeah. Okay. Um,
1: and it's like partly about her obsession with the Nutcracker, and like really like, if you think too hard about what's going on in the Nutcracker, there, there's some weird shit.
0: Okay. Um, yeah, I can see that.
1: But the way the writing style of it is so unique, like it's almost like a poem, um, and in a lot of paragraphs are just like, I want, I want to be open. I want to open the door and let more worlds in. I want to be in two worlds at once. I want to be in three and four and five world at once. <laughs> I want to sextuple my worlds. I want candy and coffee to dance for me. <laughs> I want to transmit their message like Tchaikovsky did. I can't believe how he was working near blind while composing the Nutcracker. The Christmas tree becomes huge. She talks about, I mean. I like this. It's a, it's a very um, passionate sort of plea mm-hmm. Um and it's is really like I say it's so unique whenever I picked it up and started flipping through this book I was like what the hell is this like is this even right. an essay yeah.
0: is this a poem it does look like poetic prose it, yeah
1: it's very frag- fragmented but it's so uh, I don't know I think what I'm attracted to in books is clearly like some heart some vulnerability
0: yeah um, just like raw on, honest on page. yeah because um, you know stuff.
1: i'm I have nothing particular interest in the nutcracker sure. but <laughs> what, what what is what is this woman talking about yeah. you know and like just living through her um it's short let's like say 100 pages uh, but clearly she had to write this you know and i felt that way with kyle's book like he had to write right. this. this is what yeah. he has to do um,
0: his, bone in so his that,
1: bones That was my number 11 book. So this goes to 11. (laughs) Everyone else has got their top 10
0: books. We've got our top 11. Top 11s. Nice. Um, Um, So that's sort of a a nice little bow on your year in reading, Matt. What are some books that you have sort of at the top of your pile to read next year? What what are you really psyched to read in 2022? So I'll tell
1: you what I'm I'm reading now. I I, I don't look too far into the future, but I... (laughs) Have had on my nightstand the new Christian Tabordo novel, oh, the, Apology, *The Apology*, yeah, um, w- which is that too. pretty different from his other books, and I'm kind of excited to see what he's doing new. Mm-hmm. Um, I also want to finish reading Tex Gresham's *Sunflowers*. Yes. Um, Tex sent us those recently. He actually did. You hear his
0: story too. about how he went to. The um, premiere of Licorice Pizza in LA, yeah. and he happened to have yeah. a copy of his novel, like in his coat or whatever. And he saw Paul standing there alone, and he just like went up and gave him a copy of his book, uh, really subtly, and just like, "Hey, I wrote this. I think you might like it. Great, great yeah, to talk incredible. to you." And walked away. <laughs> yeah, it's incredible. Yeah. So um, I've read the first four or five pages of that just to get like a sense of the flavor, and it seems really cool. So. And he was on um uh, Beyond the Zero podcast, which you were as well this year. So right. as right. was Sergio De La Pava recently. Right. Yeah, That's Ben's getting some real bangers.
1: Um I I also have a a book on my to read list that I bought after reading the newsletter from the new Dolkey Archive Press. Mm-hmm. So after John O'Brien died, Dalkey basically was bought by Um, Deep Vellum and Chad Post who's at uh, Rochester and they started going back and uh, they're going to reissue a bunch of stuff and republish some stuff and publish some new stuff through Dalkey Archive but uh, Chad in the newsletter if you're not subscribed go sign up for the Dalkey Archive newsletter. He goes back through some of the archives and talks about books that he really loved acquiring when he worked with John Mm. Um, and one of them was this book uh, by a like Flemish writer called Louis Paul Boone, B O O N, mm-hmm. and the book is called Chapel Road, and uh, it's phenomenal. Like I started reading this book, and I was just it reminded me a bit of like John Berger's Pig Earth, um, which is <laughs> really a really phenomenal title. book if you haven't read that. Uh, but Pig Earth, um, but Chapel Road is maybe even like the translation it really comes across well um and but it's a pretty thick book let's say 400 something pages so i want to get to that next year um and i put on twitter that i just started reading a experimental novel called little scratch by rebecca watson Hmm. and this book is like chaotic on the page like there's multiple columns and There's like text messages going off (laughs) and like there's this woman walking down the street and you're kind of in her thoughts in one column and it's really trying to represent like what someone's thought process looks Mm -hmm. like. So some pages, the words skip all over the place and some pages they run on. Um, But it's a little difficult to get into. Like I really need to commit to that one to read Mm -hmm. it. So, um, I also picked up last, uh, in the past, I don't know, some point this year, I just picked up Hamnet, which I really liked the description of, fictionalization of like Shakespeare's time, Maggie oh, O'Farrell, okay. and, uh, you know, that was a popular book on a lot of bestseller lists, and I, I started reading it, and I was like, oh, this is really good, and then I put it down, and I just forgot about mm. it, so I need to pick that one back up and um, finish it. Uh, also, the book uh, White Dialogues was recommended to me mm. by our friend Grace. Oh, cool. By, um, Bennett Sims and I, I had some maybe even comparisons to Wallace hmm. and it's a collection of short stories I started reading uh, one of them and I was like wow this guy's really good I need to really like find time to commit to this one as well hmm. um, so tell me what I should read cool. I'll probably ignore you but um, <laughs> Here's my that, email that's address. some of the stuff yeah that's some of the stuff on my nightstand cool Right That's now. great.
0: Um, do you have any like reading goals or resolutions for twenty twenty two? Like, do you want to read differently? Do you want to read less? Do you want to read more? Do you want to read more genres or more like different uh, types of books or anything like that? I'm just like too that? weird. I'm just too weird for that shit. I mean,
1: I <laughs> bounce around a lot. Like, I I read a lot of history stuff that just interests me. Mm. Um, like, I have this big fascination with a World War Two battle at the tiny island of Peleliu. Hmm. Um, And I read everything I can about that battle. For some reason, I'm just fascinated with this one particular kind of forgotten Hmm. battle that the Marines were involved in. Was in the Pacific,
0: like in like 44 or 45 or
1: something? It was in 1945, Uh, uh, September 1944. Um, And it was uh, in the Palau. It was kind of a pointless battle because they ended up, really not needing the Palau islands as a barrier against invasion of the Philippines Hmm. like MacArthur. And I don't want to get into all of this, (laughs) but, uh, I'm really in, I'm really into that and like it serves no purpose other than just like I'm interested in it. So I'm going to read about it. Um, I, I also love reading, um, Peep's diary. I go back every year and read big chunks of, I have like the 10 volume set from university of california press of samuel Pepys' diary have we talked i'm sure i've talked about it on this podcast it doesn't ring
0: a point. bell but if you start describing what it entails it might you samuel don't know Pepys'
1: diary i don't think so p-e-p-y-s p-y-s no you don't What's know about
0: this he lived in
1: london in the 1660s okay. 1660s great fire of london
0: okay. oh my god i don't know if i know you this. need to
1: go <laughs> Well, I'll tell you why I love it. I love Peep's diary because it is a everyday account of this guy's life in 1661, right. 1662. Yeah. He writes in it every freaking day. And, you know, I'm just fascinated with that stuff that's like how did people get up and go to work without like alarm clocks <laughs> and like, you know, a coffee maker and shit? Like oh, how did yeah. how did this work? Like, and, like how do you he, call it? Keep their sick houses to hot? Work? You know, like Wait. Right like how do you go out to dinner when you're like it's the fucking 1600s and like they did like everyone went to work mm-hmm. people went out to dinner he would go to the theater mm-hmm. you know he would go on trips and shit and like it's fascinating to me, just life, like the to yeah. just the day-to-day functioning of it mm-hmm. and like you know we, here's a minor detail but like when you hear people say like oh i hate valentine's day because it's like a hallmark a, a hallmark yeah. <laughs> it's like bull fucking shit like he was sweating it back in 1661 <laughs> all right like he's like i gotta get my wife something for this i don't know what i'm gonna do for valentine's day it's tomorrow awesome. uh, you know um, like <laughs> the same anxieties of like go read a Pete's diary on valentine's oh, that's day that's good to know um and there's also a lot of there's a twitter account that's like Pete's diary run by oh, yeah. a guy named phil who there. There's a lot of salacious stuff in here. He was cheating on his wife left and right and then documenting it, you know, assumingly his wife was illiterate. Oh, Um, interesting. But maybe even not illiterate, but he would write it in like all of his diaries were written in like a form of shorthand. Mm -hmm. And so they had to be translated. And even when they were translated, a lot of the salacious stuff that he would document was like in his like kind of pigeon version of Spanish. So he would be like, uh, "She did let me, you know, blah blah." And like in Spanish, he would say okay. it. Uh, what what he he would do? Gotcha. And so a lot of people read it for that, but it's just not enough. I mean, if you wanted to read it for that, you could read the salacious parts in like ten minutes. But yeah. the whole thing is, you know, it's ten volumes, and he he only quit writing it because his eyesight started going bad, and he couldn't he couldn't see anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, lost his vision, but. I love reading this Pete's diary. It's just a weird interest of mine. Cool. Um, And what about you? Any goals? Any things you want to do differently? Um,
0: Every year I say that I want to be on Instagram less and read more books. And um, I think I accomplished that like a little bit better this year than I did last year. I think I probably read like 10 more books this year than I did last year. But like Instagram is just the worst. And I would love to never touch it again. But I have like four accounts and, you know. It's just kind of a dumb time sink in some ways. But in other ways, it's great, too. Like, you can really connect with people over cool stuff that you love there, too. So um, uh, let me just, like, read the top five, like, the the five most recent books I added to my to-be-read list of books people okay. recommended to me. May We Be Forgiven by A.M. Holmes. Uh, Mike Miley, our friend, is reading this right now. And there's a scene where, like, the character sees Don DeLillo in a coffee shop or something like that. Um, we, we just retweeted him about that the other day. The Love Song of W.E.B. Du Bois, Honoré Fanon Jeffers, Shakespeare's Dog, Leon Rook, Dare to Know, James Kennedy, um, Elena Knows by Claudia Piniero, Something New Under the Sun by Alexander Kleeman. A lot of these are ones that you've recommended over the years that I still need to get to. Like, you are my primary source of new new <laughs> uh, books and writers. <laughs> so, um, Leon Rook is at least a Canadian author. That'll oh, up hey, your, uh,
1: nice total of a Canadian. Let me put a little
0: um, right. Canadian flag emoji next yeah. to that one. <laughs> Draw a little maple leaf there. <laughs> Pour to- some syrup on that recommendation. Uh, that's great. great. <laughs> cool. Um, yeah, so, you know, just like I, one of my things that I said this year is that I was going to re- reread, finally, for the first time, the instructions by Adam Levin. It's now December 15th. I don't think I'm going to get through <laughs> Naked Singularity by December 31st, so it might be a 2022 reread, uh, but I would love to revisit that because I read it like 10 years ago. Um, so that would be a big project. It is, it is a bit of a big project, but I think I probably will like have a summer vacation for the first time this year uh, in like nine years because I've always taught through oh. the summers as an online teacher, but... This summer, I'm gonna I'm gonna get a break. It looks like so, maybe that'll be my summer reading project. Um, yeah. So
1: well, I think it's been uh, an interesting year. I do have the same goal as you, which is just to read more. Uh, it, it does make me happy. Yeah. Um, to really get into a book and lose myself, I yeah. I'm, I feel like I'm always chasing that feeling of where I just can't put a book down. Yeah. And you know, I definitely felt that this year with the um, Butcher's Crossing, mm-hmm. with Anne Petrie, with the Willie Vlautin. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the, there were a lot of like highs for me. That was probably my top three yeah. um, of just feeling like I can't wait to get back to this book and just see what happens. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, so, I, as reading as an escape, yeah, thing was really.
0: I have some very fond memories this year of reading America and the Cult of the Cactus Boots for just like an hour or two at a time in one sitting, like in the backyard in the sun, you know, with like a nice cold libation and just like just really like plumbing the world the word tunnels, you know Um, so yeah, I I like (laughs) really I like this really, just really enjoyed reading this year and uh, I think I think I'm gonna you know, chase that dragon as much as I can in in 2022 as well (laughs) yeah all right, cool.
1: well, think, thanks to everyone again who um, wrote in to yes, us. We got um, we got a lot please. of great
0: recommendations from listeners in emails. Um, we totally. A lot of people sent us their own books that they wrote this year. Um, so that's very, please very cool. Please reach out to us. And, and awesome to are, get that, To
1: um, Our emails can cavity show at gmail.com. If you don't have it, feel free to email us directly. Mm. Send us your um, yeah.
0: top five, top 10 list of books you read this year. I'd love to see that. Would love to yeah. see it.
1: Concavity um, show on Instagram. Like you said, we spend less time there, but I think it's the best of the social networking platforms we yeah, have. Yeah, for sure. Um, um, and I, I do look at Twitter probably too much. But, um,
0: <laughs> More than I do, I think.
1: show at Twitter, on Twitter. Yep.
0: And then the, and the the languishing Facebook page as well that, you know, yeah. is might as well like shouldn't even exist at this point, but <laughs>
1: just let it die, die on the vine. Yeah.
0: Maybe uh, we really want to thank our patrons from this year. And we have two new patrons since last episode. Um, one of them amazingly, this is very cool. is Deb Olin Unfirth, who was our last guest. It was like such a unprecedented, such an unprecedented jolt of dopamine when I saw the notification that she is a patron of the show um so thank you Deb. that's so cool that you're supporting us in this way we really appreciate that Um, and we also want to thank so much rob Raymeyer for backing us up on patreon and i gotta give a shout out to rob's instagram he his brother makes these very detailed intricate figurines from movies and these are movies that i tend to really love like paul thomas anderson movies and stuff and um let me i'm just gonna bring up his instagram handle because you have to go check this stuff out it's really really amazing so uh rob's instagram handle is rdz 84. that's r d e e z y 84 and like they're just like these are really close-up photos of these like um, figurines that his brother makes. And so he does like some of the ma- management for this account, but then his brother's account has like, a, like all these photos too. And there's just like tons of like the, there will be blood. Um, there's the Daniel Plainview figurines of these are amazing. Like he's holding like a bowling pin and stuff over his head. <laughs> They're like really amazingly intricate and detailed. Very cool. Um, so check out, Check out Rob's Instagram account. Totally. And business. Yeah. The, Amazing. Those figurines. Super. Yeah. They're wild. So. Very cool. Um, and so I think that wraps up our, our kind of book chat for 2021, almost an hour and a half. If you care to hear the rest of the stuff like music and, and film and video games and TV, we're going to throw that, like we said in our um, bonus Patreon episode for the mega novelist tier. Um, check that out. If that interests you, we hope you had a great, 2021 if that was somehow possible um i think a few cool things happened in my life this year like we had another child uh winston he's awesome loving him he's uh, almost three months now we did like a huge reno in our house and we lived out of our house for like four months and that sucked but being back is really cool (laughs) um so yeah Good things can sometimes happen while you're just waiting for life to move on, get back to normal. True that. All right. <laughs> All right. Thanks for your bucks, Matt. Talk, talk to you okay. next year. Thanks for listening. Catch me now as I say. Into darkness.